0: Hey, everyone, this is Ellie. Each Friday on the Third Degree Podcast, I speak with a rotating cast of some of the nation's top law students about breaking legal news, compelling cases, and what it means to lead a life in the law. Today, we're sharing a sample from my conversation with University of Alabama Law School student Kyra Perkins. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. Kyra, I asked you to sort of think about if you had any questions for me as a more experienced, grizzled trial veteran about the jury selection process.
1: Yes. So I actually did what I love to do, which is call anybody who's willing to talk to me about legal and political issues. And my dad and I had a really important conversation about Batson challenges. Can you explain what that is, how that works? Yeah.
0: Batson is a crucial part of our criminal justice and constitutional process. So When you're going through the jury selection process, like we're seeing now in the Chauvin case, each juror gets examined. And then there's two ways they can be removed. One is what we call for cause, meaning there's some obvious problem with this person. If a person got up there and said, I've seen that tape, I think what the cop did was completely legitimate and I'll never convict him, you would throw that juror off the case for cause, for obvious reason. Beyond that though, The parties each have what's called peremptory challenges, meaning they can kick off jurors for almost any reason. And it can even be sort of vague reasons. It can be, I didn't like something about the way they answered. Not necessarily I can prove this person's impartial, but my gut wasn't good on this person. Now you can see the dangerous road that may go down, right? Because if you give lawyers in a trial complete blank checks to get rid of whoever they want, that could start to manifest itself in racist ways, in discriminatory ways. And so Batson is the Supreme Court decision where it was held that parties still do have broad discretion in exercising those challenges, but they cannot exercise them in a racially discriminatory manner or other manner that violates the constitution. So here's how it plays out sometimes in a courtroom. If one party thinks the other party is using its strikes in an inappropriate manner, violating bats, and you can challenge it. You can say, judge, I've noticed that they've struck three of their four strikes have been on African-American jurors. And the, what the judge will then do is turn to you and say, okay, counsel, explain why did you strike jurors six and 12 and 14? And then the lawyer has to give what's called a race neutral reason. And the judge can then decide whether he buys it or not right? So you can't say, obviously, I I struck those people because they're African-Americans and I don't want African-Americans on the jury. No lawyer would say that. And if you did say that, you would be sanctioned and disciplined and you would violate the law. But instead you get into this gray area where sometimes people have perfectly good explanations and sometimes it's a little dicier and it's up to the judge if the judge believes the explanation. Now I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple of real life examples from, from my experience. I'm proud to say I was never even bats and challenged in any trial I ever did. And by the way, prosecutors do get bats and challenged sometimes very quickly. There have been instances, I had colleagues who struck one minority juror and a Immediately, the defense lawyer said, I challenge that. I want to raise a Batson challenge. Usually, or always, really, in my experience, my colleagues were able to give a perfectly legitimate, non-racial reason why they removed the person. I didn't like the answer to this question, for example. I once actually raised a Batson challenge that was successful the other way against the defense. So I once tried a human trafficking trial where we had five defendants on trial. All five defendants were women. All of the victims in the case were young women who had been sort of held captive and trafficked by our defendants. And we were going through jury selection and about midway through my trial partner, incidentally, or maybe not incidentally, a woman sort of tapped me on the shoulder and she said, they've used all eight of their strikes so far on female jurors. And I said, oh my God, I didn't even realize it. And I went back and I looked, I said, okay, okay. I said, hold on, let's see what they do with the next couple. Next two or three, They struck a woman, they struck a woman, they struck a woman. And finally, I said, okay, judge, I have to raise this now. They've had 10 or 11 challenges at this point and they've used all of them on females. And the judge had the same reaction as I did, by the way. A male judge, maybe the same thing. He said, what, they have? Oh my goodness, you're right. And he turned to the defense lawyers, there was five lawyers because there was five defendants, and he said, I need to hear your reasoning here. What is your reason? Let's go through them one by one. And honestly, the defense lawyers had nothing. They tap danced and they had... Very flimsy explanations. It was very clear to me that they were striking intentionally female jurors. And the judge made that finding. He said, Well, I don't buy your explanations here. I find that you are using your strikes in a discriminatory manner to keep women off the jury. Now, here's the frustrating part. So far, so good, right? You think, okay, our system at work. I said, Okay, Judge, what are we going to do? We, you know, we should eliminate the rest of their strikes or re impanel some of these jurors that they struck. The judge said, no, it's up to the judge, by the way, what the penalty is. The judge said, no, I'm just going to caution them against doing this again. I was like, judge, we're three quarters of the way through picking this jury and they've been using them in a way you found to be discriminatory. So it's a an important protection, but it, a lot of it really comes down to the way that it is utilized and enforced in the courtroom itself. So I had a frustrating experience with it. Let me ask you about your view of that. Is there a better way than this? Is there a better way to ensure that we have representative juries or really more to the point to ensure that lawyers aren't eliminating jurors in a way that's racially discriminatory
1: or otherwise violates our constitution? I would say first and foremost, I think that the Batson challenge probably needs better enforcement. I think that would solve part of the problem there. But I think if we learned anything from the COVID-19 pandemic, it is the amount to which Zoom and technology can be utilized in our legal system. And I think it might be interesting to see what would happen if we started using some type of technology or video conferencing system where you can't see people Or maybe their voices are somewhat, you know, distorted or something like that. So you can't tell gender, you can't tell race, you can't tell age. And then every person that you strike, you have to end up having an actual legitimate reason, a for cause reason to strike them. That is fascinating. Uh, Boy, I I imagine that. I mean, in, in some sense, I think it's a perfect
0: solution because the fact of the matter is when you're picking a jury, you have very limited information about the jury. I hope you enjoyed this sample of the third degree podcast to listen to the full episode and get access to the full archive of exclusive content, become a member of cafe insider and get a two week free trial, head to cafe.com insider.